the fable of the handsome Jethro, who was simply cut out to be a merchant. An Illinois squab came home from business college with a zebra collar and a pair of tan shoes big enough for a coal miner. When he alighted from the depot, one of Esri Folson's dray-horses fell over, stricken with the cramp colic. The usual drove of prominent citizens who had come down to see that the train got in and out all right backed away from the educated youth and chewed their tobacco in shame and abashment. They knew that they did not belong on the same platform with one who had been up yonder in Chicago for going on twelve weeks finding out to be a businessman by heck. An elderly man approached the youth who had lately got next to the rules of commerce. The elderly man was a yap. He wore a hickory shirt, a discouraged straw hat, a pair of barn-door pants clinging to one lonely gayless and woolen socks that had settled down over his plowshoes. He was shy several teeth, and on his chin was a tassel shaped like a whisk-broom. If you had thrown a pebble into this clump of whiskers, probably you would have scared up a field mouse and a couple of meadow larks. Home again, Jethro B. E.? asked the parent. Yeah, replied the educated youth, with that he pulled the corner of a sassy silk handkerchief out of his upper coat pocket and ignited a cigarette that smelt like burning leaves in the fall. The businessman went home, and the parent followed at a respectful distance, now and then remarking to himself, Well, I'll just swan to Guinea. Brother Lyford came in from the East Eighty to get his dinner, and there was Jethro in the hammock reading a great work by Archibald Clavering Gunter. Get into some overalls and come and help me this afternoon, said Lyford. Oh, rats, not on your tintype. I'm too strong to work, replied Jethro, who had learned oodles of slang up in Chicago. Don't you forget it. So he wouldn't stand for the harvest field that afternoon. In the evening, when Pa asked him to milk, and he let out an awful beller. Next morning he made a horrible beef because he couldn't get loaf sugar for his coffee. Shortly after breakfast his Pa lured him into the barn and lit on him. He got a good holt on the Adam's apple and choked the offspring until his tongue stuck out like a pistol. "'You dosh-burned little pinhead of misery, you!' exclaimed the old man. Call bring me if you think you worth the powder to blow you up. You peel them duds and get to work, or else mosey right off of this farm. The son's feelings were so outraged by this brutal treatment that he left the farm that day, and accepted a position in a five-and-ten-cent store, selling kitchen utensils that were made of tinfoil and woodenware that had been painted in watercolors. He felt that he was particularly adapted for a business career, and, anyway, he didn't propose to go out on no man's farm and sweat down his collar. After ten years of unremitting application and studious frugality, the businessman had acquired in real estate, personal property, stocks, bonds, negotiable paper, and other collateral, the sum of nineteen dollars. But he owed a good deal more than that. Brother Lyford had continued to be a rude and unletterly country jake. He had two hundred and forty acres of Kraken cornland, all titled, a big red barn, four span of good horses, sixteen head of cattle, a likely bunch of shoats, and a covered buggy. Moral.
drink deep, or cut out the Pyrrhean spring altogether.